Hello, welcome, greetings, salutations, konnichiwa. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Movement Podcast. This is going to be lesson two of our Gifts of the Spirit series, which was taught in our Wednesday night youth services not too long ago. So sit back, relax, and enjoy lesson two, the Revelation Gifts, here, now, on the Movement Podcast. All right, lesson two, the revelation gifts. If you listen to the first lesson, the introduction to the gifts of the Spirit, you'll know that we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And I won't read the whole thing. If you want to go back and you want to read that, go ahead and pause the podcast, flip over to your YouVersion app, or crack open your Bible, and you can read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. So we broke down last week that the gifts of the Spirit are kind of segmented into three groups. You have the gifts of revelation, the gifts of utterance, and the gifts of power. So this lesson is specifically going to be about the gifts of revelation. And those three gifts are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. So these gifts have to do with God revealing things to us. God giving us a level of revelation through his spirit, giving us knowledge of something we wouldn't normally have a way of knowing or In the case of word of wisdom, God imparting supernatural wisdom to speak into a particular situation at a particular moment, or in the case of the discerning of spirits, it's God revealing to us through his spirit whether or not a spiritual encounter we're having is of God or of the devil. And God uses these gifts of the spirit to impart on us supernatural information and insight for a particular situation, circumstance, or a person. And so what are these gifts for? We discussed it a little bit in lesson one, the overall uh, purpose of the gifts. And we read Ephesians 4 and 12. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. All nine of the gifts of the Spirit, not just these three, are used to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And they're meant to build up the body of Christ. And the revelation gifts help us accomplish this because they're revealing pieces or fragments of information and insight that God feels it's prevalent for us to know for the purpose of either helping the person receiving that word or the person that that word is given for. When God reveals things to us through these revelatory gifts, they can help us as a recipient because God can give us information that changes the way we think about a particular person or a particular situation. So for example, if you're having an interaction with an individual and your feeling about them is they're mean or they're rotten or they're nasty, God can give you a word of knowledge about some of the things that they're dealing with. God can speak to you and say, hey, they're dealing with a whole lot of fear or they're dealing with a broken home or they're dealing with an addiction to pornography and it's eating away at them so they lash out. And that can benefit you as a minister because now you better know how you can minister to that person. Where at one point you thought they were just mean, rotten, and nasty, you now have a better understanding of who they are as a person because God is revealing things to you that he feels like you need to know. Hello, this is Andre. Hey, Jake. I'm all right. How are you? Sorry for the interruption. Mr. Cargo needed to step away and take a phone call, and he forgot he was recording the podcast. Because he is a goon, an absolute goon. Like, why would he answer the phone in the middle of recording the podcast? Your time is valuable. And instead of spending your valuable time listening to his podcast, 
You're listening to me talk over an elevator instrumental he ripped off of YouTube. The guy couldn't even be bothered to create his own original elevator music. He's coming back now. So we return you to your regularly scheduled program. If you're still listening. Not sure why you would be. I wouldn't. Oh. Hey, Andre. What it be, baby boo? And obviously these gifts, these revelatory gifts can be very beneficial for the person on the receiving end of this gift. So God can instruct you to share what he has told you with an individual. And that could be the purposes of proving God's validity, proving God's power, proving that God is listening to their prayer. So if God speaks to you a specific word about someone, hey, this person is dealing with a broken home. They have fear in their heart. They have an addiction to pornography. That one, that word can benefit you because now it prepares you to better be able to minister to them. If there's a person that has anger issues and the reason they have anger issues is because they're, you know, possessed with a demon, you approach that very differently than a person that has anger issues because their parents are getting divorced. Like you have to minister to those situations very differently. You minister differently to a person that has low self-esteem than you do a person that is dealing with pride. And so God will give us bits and pieces of information that he feels that we need for the purposes of building up and equipping us for ministry. And so if God gives you a word for someone, it benefits you because it helps you better understand the situation you're trying to minister to. And obviously it affects the other person because you were then able to effectively minister to them. So the first gift we're going to talk about in this revelatory group is the word of knowledge. Now, it's important to note that the Bible does not call it the gift of knowledge. It's the word of knowledge. It is an individual word. It's not God jamming facts into your mind or information into your brain and making you smarter than everyone. It's not, oh, that person's really, really smart. They never study and they got a perfect score on the ACT. They must be gifted with the gift of knowledge. That's not what that is. It's a word of knowledge, which is an unction from the spirit coming to you and imparting an individual word of knowledge or facts about people or a situation that you couldn't possibly know unless God told it to you. And these facts that God can reveal to us can either be about past events, present events, or even maybe in some cases, future events. It's almost like when God gives you a word of knowledge, it's like he's pulling back the curtain and he's allowing you to see little bits of, of information about someone. It's, it's pulling back the curtain on someone's life and it says, you see that person over there that I want you to minister to? They are dealing with a porn addiction. And the reason God reveals that information to you is to better prepare you for the work of that ministry. It's God giving you very specific information for a very specific person that you could not know on your own. It is an individual word of knowledge. If you read through Revelation, John is a perfect example of this, someone operating in word of knowledge. He was totally isolated on the island of Patmos. He had no way of knowing any of the things he knew, yet he was speaking directly and authoritatively to the seven churches of Asia Minor with information he was given only through word of knowledge. It was impossible for John to know all the details he knew about all of these churches, especially considering the present state he was in, but nevertheless, he wrote them very detailed and specific things that God had revealed to him through word of knowledge. 
He spoke to their sin. He spoke to the things they needed to work on. He spoke very directly about what they needed to do to put themselves back in proper alignment with God. And he was using information that he on his own could not have known. It had to be directly from God. He was given words of knowledge. He was given bits and pieces of information about these churches in Asia Minor to then better minister to them. Another example we see of a, of a minister operating in word of knowledge is found in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 4, we find the church in, in great revival, and Peter was there distributing funds that had been brought by new converts who had sold all of their possessions and laid them at the feet of Peter, and then he would distribute to anyone who had need. Keep in mind, this isn't something Peter made them do. This wasn't something Peter commanded them to do, but these people decided they wanted to sell everything they had and put it in the hands of the apostle and let him divvy out to people who were in need. But then in Acts chapter five, a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira into the picture. It says in chapter five, verse one, verse two, it says, but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, a piece. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Notice while everyone else was selling all of their property, Ananias, the Bible says, only sold a piece of it. And not only did he only sell a piece of property, the Bible says intentionally he kept some for himself and only laid a part of it down at Peter's feet. But when Ananias came to Peter, the man of God, through word of knowledge given to him by the Holy Spirit, already knew what was going on. In verses three and four, it says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. And at Peter's word, Ananias was then struck dead. A few verses later, Sapphira walks through the door and Peter asks her straight up, is this the amount that you gave the entirety of what you made off of the sale of your property. Again, giving them a chance to go, you know what, you're right. We did keep some back. We're sorry. But Sapphira too then lied and said, yes, we gave you everything. All the money that we had. Look how much we did for the church. Look how much we did for the needy. We we gave you everything. And, and her too, at the very word of Peter, was struck dead. So how did Peter know? How did in an instant Peter know that Ananias and Sapphira were lying to God. He knew by word of knowledge. He knew by insight and information that God was imparting to Peter in order to teach and show the church that lying and attempting to manipulate God would not be tolerated. Like Peter didn't have access to Ananias' QuickBooks account. Peter wasn't walking the property and, and measuring out how much Ananias said he was going to give and then like cross-reference that with how much money he ended up laying at his feet. Peter didn't do that. Peter didn't have access to any of Ananias's, um, you know, accounts or any of his transactions. He knew because God spoke it to him. He knew because the Holy Spirit spoke to him a word of knowledge that says this man is lying. He did not sell all of his property, nor did he give you all the money for that property. So what was the purpose of that word of knowledge that God gave Peter? It's the same as every other word of knowledge, to better prepare Peter for ministry. Contextually, if you understand what's happening throughout the book of Acts, they are trying to establish something brand new. You have people that really don't know anything about church because there was no church in the book of Acts. So what Peter is having to do is he is having to lay a foundation and teach people 
about respect for apostolic authority and power. And so the way that God chose to do it in that moment was show people what happens if you lie to God, what happens if you lie to the man of God, what happens when you attempt to manipulate spiritual things, God takes that very, very seriously. And so that moment God spoke that information, that insight to Peter, and then Peter was then able later on through Acts chapter five, was able to minister and was able to teach from the perspective of, hey, you have to have a level of respect for spiritual authority and spiritual power and have a respect for God. So whether a word is is given to you in a sentence, whether a word is given to you in a paragraph, it's given to you in a vision, maybe a word of knowledge is given to you in a dream, however God chooses to speak to you, know this very clearly, it can completely change the direction and the course of someone's life. God speaking to you a word of knowledge and then you acting on that word of knowledge according to the command of God can change your life and can change someone else's life. When you begin to operate and minister in that way, imagine you're walking in a park and you're sitting on a park bench just enjoying a beautiful day and somebody walks by that you've never seen, you've never met and God speaks to you very clearly, they are suicidal. They may not look it. They may not talk like it. They may not seem like it. But the spirit within you is giving you information that says they are suicidal. They are lonely. They are struggling. And you step out in faith as the spirit prompts you to, and you speak to them and you begin to talk to them and you build up a a conversation with them. And then the spirit urges you to speak this word to them and you speak, Hey, this sounds crazy. I know, but I believe that God just spoke to me and he told me that you're suicidal, that you're dealing with a lot of fear, a lot of loneliness. Imagine the impact you can have on that soul that maybe at some point didn't even believe in the existence of God. And now this complete stranger who knows nothing about me is speaking directly into something that I'm dealing with at my very core. It adds a level of validity to the existence of God. And I know it sounds weird and I know it can be crazy, but the point, one of the, the points of this series is to try to break down the spooky, creepy weirdness of the gifts of the spirit. This is how God wants to minister. God wants you to be a minister everywhere that you go. And it doesn't mean you are a preacher. It doesn't mean you're an evangelist or a missionary. And God may call you to do all of those things. And that is so wonderful. And I pray that he calls you and I pray that you have the strength to answer. But this is what ministry is. Ministry is reaching out to a very broken, a very hurt, a very dark world and using these gifts to operate and to minister to people. And imagine the spiritual impact you would have on somebody when you begin to operate in words of knowledge and you begin to speak into situations in their lives that you could not know unless God was real. Again, whether it's a word, a sentence, a paragraph, a vision, or a dream, you operating in words of knowledge, you operating in this revelation and this insight that God has given you can completely change someone's life. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited thinking about uh, the level of kingdom impact you could have if you just begin to operate in your schools and operate at your job and operate at family gatherings and operate at the mall and operate at the park and you begin to operate in the spirit as God leads you. Imagine the impact we could have on this community. 
It would be far greater than than passing out 10,000 postcards. It would be far greater than having 30,000 likes on Instagram. It would be far greater than even having a church service that has 2,000 people in it. If you have 30 young people or however many people are listening to this podcast, you know, 30 young people going through the Metro New Orleans area operating in the gifts of the Spirit, imagine the kingdom impact y'all would have. Anyway, I'm digressing, I'm rambling, I'm preaching, I'm getting excited thinking about it. We're going to go on to the next one, which is word of wisdom. So now that we discussed word of knowledge, we can better understand where word of wisdom fits. A word of wisdom is simply God giving you insight on what to actually do with information you either already have or information you were given through word of knowledge. The word of wisdom can be present or future imparted wisdom from God to direct and guide someone through a particular situation. Think of his spiritual revelation of the plans and the purposes in the mind of God. Word of knowledge revealing the what, and word of wisdom revealing the how. And remember, this isn't like a gift of human wisdom. It's not the gift of wisdom, meaning you're just wiser than everyone else, like what Solomon prayed for. We're talking about individual gifts or individual words of wisdom, with this gift only imparting fragments of information given. So this could be if somebody sits down and begins to confide in you things that they're struggling with and things that they're dealing with, and then God giving you a word of wisdom for that particular situation. Or it could be you have a word of knowledge for someone, and then God then follows that up with how can you then use that word of knowledge to better minister to them? How can you then give them something that don't just say, hey, I know this because God spoke it to me. It's okay, now this is what we do from here. Word of knowledge revealing the what of something. Word of wisdom revealing the how of something. We see an example of this in 2 Kings 5, verses 8 through 10. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king had torn his clothes, he said to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come see me now. And he knows that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger, saying to him, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be made clean. So once Elisha found out that Naaman was sick with leprosy, didn't necessarily come from a word of knowledge. He heard through the grapevine, through news that was traveling through the area that Naaman was sick with leprosy. He was then given in that, in that time a word of wisdom. He was shown by God how to properly apply the information that was given to him, and he gave instruction from God on how to handle that situation. Properly applied knowledge became wonderful wisdom as God gave the prophet the means and the method whereby Naaman could find healing. It wasn't enough that the prophet knew that Naaman was sick. It was that God gave that prophet, Elisha, a word of knowledge, a very specific method and message that he could give to Naaman that Naaman could then go by and be healed. We see another example of this in Genesis chapter 41. Joseph had just interpreted Pharaoh's two dreams and through word of knowledge, he was able to see that God was sending Pharaoh a very specific message that there would be seven years of abundant harvest and seven years of famine. But in this situation, it wasn't enough that Joseph just had the information or the insight, the word of knowledge. He had to know what to do with that information. And that's the key with word of wisdom versus word of knowledge is you have to be spiritually mature enough and recognize what God's direction feels like for you well enough that you understand which words of knowledge will require follow-up action. 
Because not every word that you're given from God necessarily requires follow-up action. God may just want to give you information or give you insight for the sake of you better knowing what's actually going on, but it may not necessarily require any level of follow-up. But that's why important that... One, two, three, go. That's why in so... One, two, three, go. That's why it's so important that you develop a level of spiritual maturity and you recognize what God's direction sounds like because there will be some words of knowledge that require a follow-up action. And we read about it in Genesis 41. And you can read the entirety of the story. I'm not going to go ahead and read the whole story. But basically, after Joseph was given the word of knowledge that interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and what they meant, Joseph was then given a word of wisdom. Joseph told them, he said, okay, great. This is what we're going to do. The seven years of plenty, we're going to keep back one fifth. And then during the seven years of famine, go ahead and redistribute and ration that out to the people to, to keep them through the seven years of famine. Joseph in that moment was operating with wisdom that according to his background, according to Joseph's uh, life experiences, he shouldn't have had that level of wisdom. But the Bible says that God was with Joseph and even Joseph himself admitted that his very placement in Egypt, his ability to interpret uh, Pharaoh's dreams, his ability to plan this course of action that would save Egypt, he admitted it all came from God. So Joseph in this example operated in word of knowledge and was given what the interpretation of these dreams meant. Then in this particular instance, that word of knowledge required follow-up action, which came through word of wisdom that based on his life experiences and who he was and the way he was raised and his background, he shouldn't have been as wise as he was in that particular moment, but God gave him a plan of action and he acted on it and it saved Egypt. He had a word of knowledge, the what, and was given a word of wisdom, the how. Don't fall victim to thinking that God doesn't want to use you to speak into people's lives. I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I'm going to touch on it again. Understand that God has a very real desire to give you his knowledge and give you his wisdom to prepare you for ministry, to build up the body of Christ. God wants to use you to speak into people's lives. He wants to be able to trust you with information about situations and information about people and then give you plans of action so that you can minister to people. But you have to be willing to listen to his voice and obey his word. God wants to use you, but you have to be willing to actually step out and be used. So the last gifting of the spirit we're going to discuss in this lesson is the discerning of spirits. Now, it is a common heard expression that people say, I have the gift of discernment. The same thing we talked about with the other two lessons. I have the gift of knowledge, not a thing. I have the gift of wisdom, not a thing. I have the gift of discernment, not a thing. There's no such thing in the Bible called the gift of discernment to mean that an individual has some sort of supernatural level of insight on a given situation. Many people misconstruct or misuse the idea of the gift of discernment, and really what they're meaning is word of knowledge. Again, we said word of knowledge is God giving you information or insight about a particular situation that you couldn't possibly know. That's what word of knowledge is. I'll give an example of the confusion um, sometimes between the quote-unquote gift of discernment and word of knowledge. So I had a friend one time, we were were trading stories um, about the way we used to act BC before Christ. And uh, they said that they had told their parents they were going over to stay the night at a friend's house, a specific friend. Let's just call her, you know, Jill, whatever. So they're going to stay over at Jill's house. 
And instead, they went to another place that they weren't supposed to go. They weren't allowed to go, but they went anyway. They lied to their parents and said, hey, we're going to stay the night at Jill's house. Jill said, I'm going to go stay the night at, you know, Susie's house. And then both Jill and Susie decided they were going to go off somewhere else they weren't supposed to be. Well, my friend tells me the story and says, yeah, my, my dad caught me because they woke up in the middle of the night and he instantly knew that I wasn't at Jill's house. I was at such and such place. He knew it and he called the place by name because my dad has the gift of discernment. But that's not what the gift of discernment is. In that instance, her dad was actually operating in the word of knowledge. God spoke to him information and insight that he couldn't possibly know on his own, gave him information that, hey, your child is not at Jill's house, but they are at blah, 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 blah. So this is an example of how people can have somewhat of a misunderstanding of what discernment is, because the Bible never calls it a gift of discernment. The Bible says it is the discerning of spirits. And this may not seem an important correction now, but you'll see in a moment why it's crucial to understand the difference between word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. In 1 John 4 and 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits and see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The discerning of spirits is an unction from God to impart the ability to discern or to read the spirits that are at work in a particular person's life or in an individual situation. So to kind of break it down simply, a word of knowledge reveals what? What's going on? A word of wisdom can reveal the how, but the discerning of spirits will reveal to you who these words are coming from. So you may get a word of knowledge. You may then get a word of wisdom, but it's the discerning of spirits that is operating within you that reveals, okay, who are these messages coming from? Who am I getting it from? And this is why it's important to have the discerning of spirits operating in in your life every single day so that you can determine whether the things you're feeling or the things you're being told, are they of God? And John tells us very clearly, he says, beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits and see whether they are from God. Now there's a comma four, which means that he's going to tell us why it's important that we test every spirit. But test the spirits, see whether they are from God, comma, for there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. You have to make sure your discernment is operating at peak efficiency because not only is the enemy going to try to whisper things into your ear, but you're going to have many false prophets that are going out into the world that are saying things that are not of God. And you need to be able to recognize when somebody, even if they are preaching, even if you're watching a a church conference YouTube video, you have to make sure that you are able to discern is what I'm hearing of God or not. Having the discerning of spirits operating in your life helps you. It helps you tremendously. Having the discerning of spirits operating every single day is critical to you spiritually developing properly. You can't develop spiritually correctly if you don't have the discerning of spirits operating in your life every single day. In Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the work of righteousness since he is a child. So 
what the writer of Hebrews is saying is at this point, you should be teaching people, but you can't even teach because you still need milk. You're, you're spiritually immature. You're like a child. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So what the writer of Hebrews is implying is at some point you need to spiritually grow up. You can't just be a, a spiritual baby all the time needing, needing milk. You should be on solid food at this point. But the solid food of the word of God, the deep things of the spirit are for the mature. And what defines a mature person? Those who have their powers of discernment trained. By how? By constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so you can see very clearly from the scripture that the writer of Hebrews does not imply that only a singular individual within a single church body is able to operate, quote unquote, in the gift of discernment. But the powers of your discernment, they are trained by constant practice. So the discerning of spirits is not something that is divvied out to individuals within the church. It is something that comes from spiritual maturity. You have to use it. You have to train it. You have to train yourself with constant practice to be able to distinguish what is good and what is evil. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So what Paul is saying is, don't quench the spirit. Don't be cynical. When the gifts begin to operate, when the preacher starts to preach, when the words being given, don't be cynical. Don't despise prophecies. Don't roll your eyes. But don't be silly either. Test everything. Test every single thing. It's sometimes thought that it takes a very special person or a very special position or a very special calling to operate in the discerning of spirits. When actuality, this should be the first gift that we all unlock and it should be the most used. While other gifts we talk about come from additional sacrifice and consecration and practice, this gift honestly just comes from spiritual maturity. It's not God's will that only one individual within a church operate in the discerning of spirits, but honestly, it's his desire that every single Christian, whenever they reach spiritual maturity, begins to operate in this gift daily. Everywhere that you go, you should be operating in the discerning of spirits. Every song that you listen to, you should operate in the discerning of spirits. Okay, what spiritual things are attached to this song? Every sermon that you listen to, okay, is what this person is preaching is, is, does it line up with the word of God? And if it doesn't, I don't need it. Every, every seminar you listen to, okay, what spirits are at work here? You should be operating in the discerning of spirits every single day. Somebody calls you up and says, hey, I have a word for you. God told me you need to do X, Y, and Z. Your discerning of spirits needs to click on and say, okay, God, is this really from you? Is this actually from your spirit or is this from some carnal place or is it from the devil? In Philippians 1, verse 9 through 10, it says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, what is pure, and what is blameless for the day of Christ. Paul is saying, I pray that you love, and you love more and more and more and more with all knowledge and all discernment. So, Again, comma, so, meaning he's going to tell you why he thinks that. Why do you need to operate in love, knowledge, and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent 
and what is pure and blameless on the day of Christ. A mature Christian should be operating in the in the discerning of spirits every single day because it is your spiritual responsibility to approve what is excellent, what is pure, and what is blameless. And that's why it's so important that you keep your spirit pure because you need to be able to hear something or see something or be told something and instantly within your spirit be able to approve whether or not it is excellent and pure. You should be able to listen to a sermon and your spirit should be able to approve it. You should be able to listen to a song or read a book and your spirit should be able to approve it whether or not it is excellent, pure, and blameless. And the only way you do that is to build up your own spiritual maturity and begin to operate in the discerning of spirits. And that's how it helps you as an individual. It helps you grow because now you're not just letting everything in. Now you have a filter called the discerning of spirits, and you're only allowing in what is of God and the things that are not of God, you're shoveling them off to the side. But the discerning of spirits also helps you help others. The fact is that there are spirits and there are demons that are attaching themselves to people all the time, all the time. And again, my purpose of this series is to try and take spiritual things and bring them to the forefront and not have them look so spooky and weird. So yeah, we're going to talk about, um, you know, demonic oppression and possession for a second. The fact is this, whether you want to believe it or not, there are spirits and demons attaching themselves to people every single day, whether it be by oppression, which is like a, a lingering effect, or by possession, literally entering into that person's body and taking possession over them. There are demons of addiction, demons of hatred, lust, jealousy, and purity, and they take advantage of the works of the flesh that we read about in Galatians 5. And a person that's living their life according to the workings of their flesh, they're leaving themselves vulnerable to spiritual attacks, and they're totally unequipped, and they're unable to resist these spiritual oppressions and possessions because they're living a life according to the flesh. And that person, their nature will begin to reflect the nature of the spirits that are either oppressing them or possessing them. Some people, when you, when you read people that commit these acts of violence or these, they live these immoral lives, knowing that what they're doing is wrong, yet they can't seem to get away from it. They sometimes make comments like, I just can't help myself. Or it's like I'm being driven by some power. The discerning of spirits enables us to be able to identify these ungodly spirits in others. And if they want deliverance and they want to escape from them, then we can bind those things in the name of Jesus and rebuke them with the spiritual authority that God gave us. In order to help somebody that's dealing with these spiritual oppressions or these spiritual possessions, you have to be able to discern it. I can't help someone spiritually overcome who is dealing with a, an addiction to pornography if I'm not able to discern that the spirit that's oppressing them is lust. I have to be able to discern what they're dealing with on a spiritual level. I can't do that in my flesh. I can't recognize spiritual things happening in my flesh. I have to have my, my, my discerning of spirits locked in so that I can recognize what individuals are dealing with in the spirit so I can then react and minister in the spirit. We see an example of this in Acts 16, verse 16 through 18. It says, as they were going through a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination brought to her by her owners for much gain by fortune telling. So basically this woman, this young woman was possessed um, by a spirit of divination or, or another translation is a spirit of witchcraft. 
So she was possessed by this spirit of witchcraft. And she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many, many days. And this is coming up as one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because it just shows how real, like we, we um, deitize sometimes these like apostles and these prophets throughout the Bible and we should, um, but they were just people just like you and I. Um, and so this is really funny. It says, and she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her in that very hour. Paul and those who were with Paul were able to recognize that the young woman following them was not just being annoying, but through the discerning of spirits, he was able to recognize that she was indeed possessed by a demonic spirit. Because he was able to recognize this, he was then able to take appropriate action and cast it out. If Paul was not discerning, if he didn't discern that she was possessed by a spirit and he just thought she was some annoying girl, then he would have reacted and responded very differently and it wouldn't have been effective. Like maybe he would have sat down and tried to have a conversation with her and been like, hey, can you please stop being annoying? And she would have just continued to be annoying, not because she was actually annoying, but because she was possessed by a spirit. And so Paul was able to recognize, hey, I could have a conversation with her, but that won't do any good because I'm discerning that she's possessed by a spirit. And it sounds crazy, but the things of the spirit to our flesh, they do sound crazy. But it's important that we begin to operate on this level of spiritual discernment daily because there are very real people being oppressed and possessed by very real spirits. And you being full of the power of God through the Holy Ghost have the authority to cast out these things. You have the ability to legitimately help people who are dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and and addictions and anger and rage. You have a very real power to help them. But how can we be used of God to address spiritual issues if we're not able to discern that these issues are indeed of a spiritual nature? How can I minister to someone who has an anger problem and I'm sitting here trying to talk to them and give them 10 steps to help alleviate anger when really what's happening is they are being oppressed or possessed by a very angry spirit. And so we're trying to then address spiritual issues carnally. But that's why we need to have our spirit of discernment operating and clicking on full cylinders so that we can recognize, okay, is this a carnal issue? Is this a human issue? Is this a mental issue? Is this an emotional issue? Or is this something spiritual? And if it's something spiritual, I then need to respond in the spirit. We need to try every spirit and see if it's of God or not. Every sermon, every lesson, every book, every song, every interaction you have should be run through the prism of spiritual discernment to make sure that it lines up with the word of God. It is God's will that these gifts are evident And they are operating not only in the church, but in your life. Don't believe the lie and the faulty teaching that God can't use you because you're too young or God can't use you because you don't have a position, but God is ready to reveal some things to you. God is ready to begin to speak to you through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and he's ready for you to begin to operate in the discerning of spirits in order to place yourself in proper position to be used of him everywhere that you go. So in conclusion, we have the three gifts that are considered revelation gifts, our word of knowledge, which is God giving you insider information about a particular person or a situation. Second is word of wisdom. That's God giving you a plan of action 
to give to someone. It's it's wisdom for a moment that you wouldn't possibly be able to have based on your own knowledge or based on your own life experiences. And again, an example of that was Joseph. The word of knowledge being the ability to interpret the dream. And the, the word of wisdom was, okay, this is the plan of action based on the information I got from that word of knowledge. And then the third, the discerning of spirits is really just discerning is something that you're either hearing or feeling in the spirit, is it of God or not? So the, the word of knowledge being the what of something, the word of wisdom being the how do I then use that information and the discerning of spirits is, okay, but who is this information coming from? Because the enemy can give you words of knowledge. They could be lies, but they're words of knowledge. The enemy could give you words of wisdom. It could be lies, but it's a word of wisdom. So you have to be able to discern, okay, is this word of knowledge or this word of wisdom something I'm getting that's coming from God, coming from my flesh, or coming from the enemy? And you have to be able to discern every single day, every every sermon you listen to, Every song you listen to, every book that you read, everything should be run through the prism of spiritual discernment because one, that helps you because it helps develop your spiritual maturity. It helps you better understand the spiritual things happening around you. And two, it helps others because if you cannot discern a spirit, you cannot cast it out. So I challenge you throughout this week as you begin to try and place yourself in positions that God can use you, I encourage you, listen for the voice of God. Listen for God speaking to you things about situations or about people to better prepare you for ministering to them. Let God speak to you. If somebody comes to you throughout this week and begins to ask ask for your advice, don't just fly off the cuff and give them your carnal advice. Pray about it. Let the Spirit speak to you. Let the Spirit give you plans of actions for someone. Begin to unlock those words of wisdom that the Spirit wants to flow through you. And I encourage you throughout this week, begin to hone in on your, your ability to discern things. Really begin to put things through that filter of spiritual discernment. Really begin to everything you're reading, everything you're listening to, all the sermons you're you're putting in your mind, every podcast, every lesson, run it through the filter of spiritual discernment to make sure that what you're putting into your spirit 100% unequivocally lines up with the word of God. Because that's what all this is about. Every single gift of the spirit, every word of knowledge, every word of wisdom, you discern all of it because it should line up 100% without fail with the word of God. And that's lesson two, the revelation gifts. Next time, we're going to be talking about the utterance gifts. That'll be diverse types of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. If you want to be kept up to date with both the podcast and our student ministry, you can follow us on Instagram at The Movement Students. I love each and every one of you. And until next time, see you later on the Movement Podcast.